Welcome to Figuring Out Families by Magellan Media, where we help make families the best they can be. We're pleased to be joined by marriage counsellor and family expert Derek Boylan for what we are calling the Focus Sessions, aimed at helping families with relationship issues. Together with Derek, over a number of these sessions, we will explore the most pressing issues facing families today. We hope you enjoy and find this series valuable. I'd like to welcome back Derek Borland for another session of our current series. Welcome, Derek. Thank you, David. It's uh, good to be here again. And today, this is very exciting. It's not love maps, it's love languages. Uh, please explain. Yeah, it's uh, thanks for having me again, uh, David. Love languages is such an interesting uh, an idea and it's uh, it's sort of become more than just pop psychology in uh, recent years and there's some really good research around it. So it'd be great to sort of explore that today. Okay. Uh, Personally, I do have to ask, being totally honest, I didn't know much about love maps. I know even less about love languages. Tell us a little bit about it and uh, where did it all originate from? Yeah, so love languages is an idea that was first sort of developed by a man named Gary Chapman. And so he was a counsellor in the US and a researcher. And one of the things that he noticed when in his work as a counsellor, and certainly this has been my experience when I work with couples for counselling, is that often you will have this uh, encounter with a couple who really care about one another. They really love one another and support one another, and they really want their relationship to work. And actually, they're working really hard in their marriage to try and make it work. But for some reason, they're just not connecting. They just sort of seem to to miss one another, or somehow can't seem to get it quite right. And uh, and what Chapman realised is that sometimes couples have different what he refers to as as love languages. And uh, and so uh, so he started to sort of develop this idea and explore it with his uh, research, and, uh, and it's become very very popular in recent years. And I guess in essence, what it's really about is coming to appreciate that what makes me feel loved in my relationship with my partner or with my children isn't necessarily the same thing that makes them feel loved. And uh, and so for us, learning how to love them the way that they need to be loved to feel loved by us, if that makes sense. Sure. Yeah. No, that makes perfect sense. And language is the the word here, isn't it? It's the important word. A couple can speak the same language, Italian, English, whatever, but be on different pages in terms of their relationship and not really understand what the other person is saying. Yeah, language is absolutely the key word here. It's. Uh, it's I think it's. Uh, it was a pretty uh, stroke of genius on behalf of Gary Chapman to really recognise that this works like a, a language. Um, you know, if I spoke for instance, English and no other language, and Karen spoke German and no other language, I could speak all, spend all day, every day telling her that I love her, that she means the world to me, that I missed her today, that she looks beautiful, this meal tastes amazing. But actually for Karen, it would mean nothing. You know, it would just be words, it would just be sounds, and it wouldn't, I guess, convey the warm feelings that go with being loved by someone, by being cared for by someone. And, sure. uh, and so love languages, is they really are like a language. <clears throat> you know, that if we can work out how to love this person in the language through which they experience being loved, then they're going to encounter our love in a, in a much warmer, authentic, fulfilling kind of a way. Right. Is this an easy concept to understand? It, it, on one level, it does sound quite easy, but I'm not sure about it on, on another level. Yeah. Look, it is quite easy to understand, I guess, in practice. It takes a little bit of a, uh, I guess, a bit of a time to sort of work out the nuances of it in each individual relationship. But essentially, Gottman, uh, sorry, Chapman, what he realized is that most people have one of about five key love languages. So he talks about five different love languages. And most people 
their love language typically falls within these five love languages. So the first one was words of affirmation. So in my marriage to Karen, words of affirmation is my primary love language. So people who have this as their primary love language, they most naturally show their love through their words. They say, I love you. You mean the world to me. I missed you today. You look so beautiful. This meal tastes amazing. And that's typically the natural way I would show Karen that I, I love her is through my words because words of affirmation is my love language. Sure. Um, and because it's my language, I feel most loved when Karen does that for me. So when Karen says to me, oh, you look so handsome in that suit, or I really missed you today, or you're such a great dad, oh, my head swells, I can barely fit out the door, I feel good inside, (laughs) I feel loved because she's talking my love language and I'm feeling it, I'm feeling the warmth that comes Sure, you're feeling the love. Yep. The second one was uh, physical touch. And so uh, people who have this as their primary love language, they most naturally show their love through touch, whereas I use words... They'll show their love through a hug, a kiss, um, an arm around the waist, reaching over and holding hands. And they feel most loved when their partner does that for them. When people do that for them, when, you know, if they're driving down the freeway and their partner reaches over and holds their hand, oh, man, for them, for other people, it's just holding hands. But for them, oh, they notice immediately the warmth and the texture of their skin and the connection. And and that feels like love to them. Um, So, for instance, let's say, um, let's say Karen was, you know, doing the dishes this evening and I really wanted her to know that I really appreciated that. My natural inclination, because words of affirmation is my love language, would be to say, oh, I really appreciate you doing the dishes. But yes. if physical touch was my love language, I'd probably come up, put my arms around her waist, give her a kiss on the neck and say, thanks. That would be the natural way that I would show my love. Um, the third love language was quality time. And so people who have this as their love language, uh, they most naturally na- show their love by making time for their partner uh, and for others. You know, they've always got 20 minutes at the end of the day to sit down and have a cup of coffee and talk about what happened. They're people yeah. who are great at organizing quality time. Why don't we go for a picnic this weekend? Or why don't we go for a coffee tonight? And why don't we play a game instead of watching TV and creating that warm space to be together and to connect them. And they feel most loved when we do that for them. You know, they feel most loved when we speak their language and we say, you know what, why don't we go for a coffee this evening? Or, you know, I'll put the kettle on, tell me all about your day. And, uh, and we just yeah. make that quality time to, to connect. Right. The fourth love language was acts of service. Now, this is Karen's primary love language. And so people who have this as their primary love language, they most naturally show their love by doing things, you know, vacuuming mm. the floor or doing the dishes or, uh, you know, making the bed or, you know, those kinds of things. And, uh, and they feel most loved when we do that for them. You know, when we know the jobs that, uh, that they really hate doing, like, picking out the rubbish or cleaning the toilet, and we do it without having to be asked or nagged, that is like love to them. You know, they feel like, wow, you can see what he's doing around here and we're a team and we're building our home together. Um, you know, if we see that they're doing something, you know, they're cooking dinner and we sort of say, look, how about I put the rice on or peel the potatoes, you know, like, oh, now we're a team and we're working together to make our home and to share this yeah. meal. And uh, and that feels like love to them. Yeah. So, uh so, David, because Karen and I have different love languages, you know, for me it's words of affirmation and for Karen it's acts of service. What yeah. it means is that, and this I think was the challenge for, you know, families, is that sometimes we can sort of disconnect around that, you know, in the sense that uh, say I'm coming home in the evening and I want uh, Karen to know that I love her and I missed her and I can't wait to see her. You know, when I walk in the door, my natural inclination is to try and express that in my language because that's what comes most naturally to me. You know, yeah. I walk in the door and I want to say to her, I missed you today. You look so beautiful. You know, I can't wait to see you and uh, I'm so happy to be home. But actually, you know, that will never 
speak as powerfully for Karen about those warm feelings of being loved as if I speak her love language. If I walk in the door, put the kids in the bath, clean them at the playroom and help her with dinner, that says to her, this guy loves me. He's home. We're a team. We're making all of this work. And and that's what makes her feel most loved. Um, Similarly, sometimes if I'm on the way home, especially if it's been after a client in the evening and Karen knows that I'm on the way home and she can't wait to see me, she will race around like a mad thing and get the whole house cleaned up. You know, kitchen benches cleared off, kids are in their pajamas and, you know, everything's sort of sorted uh, when I walk in the door. And, uh, and that's her love language. Um, but, you know, to be honest, because words are my love language, I couldn't care less if the house was a pigsty. If I walked in the really? door and Karen said, I missed you today, I'm so glad you're home, you know, it's so great to have you here. Ah, dishes can be done anytime, right? <laughs> that's what yeah. makes me feel love. Yeah. But it is Absolutely. kind of important for me to to look around and say, wow, this place looks amazing, you know, because it was an act of love. Uh, sure. I think it took me a long time <clears throat> to realise, this is going to sound really dumb, but I think it took me a long time to realise that Karen doesn't do the dishes in our house because she likes doing the dishes. She does it because wow. it's an act of love. She does it because she knows if there is one job I hate above all other jobs, it's yeah. doing the dishes. And And so when she does it, it's, uh, it's an act of love and should be appreciated that way. You know, it's important to say, wow, that really meant a lot for me. Yeah, um, yeah. If Karen had a close second, it would be gifts, and that is the fifth love language. And, uh, and you know, I know if Karen's had a bit of a particularly tough day, um, you know, I will stop at IGA or one of the, the shops on the way home and I'll pick up a mango because Karen loves mangoes. I cannot stand mangoes, but Karen mm. really likes them. And when I get home... And I just was like, oh, look, I picked this up for you on the way home. What it communicates to Karen is uh, Derek was thinking about me. Derek cares about me. Derek wants me to be happy. And, uh, and, uh, and you know, Derek's gone out of his way to, to do this to sort of make me feel loved. And that's really the way gifts works. It's not anything to do with diamond rings and Ferraris or money or any of those sorts of things. You know, the way gifts works is that it, it says, even when you're not here, I think about you. Even when you're not around, I love you and I want you to be happy. Uh, it can just be an SMS during the day or an email that says, you know, I miss you, can't wait to see you. Um, you know, these people are fantastic present buyers. You know, when it comes to Christmas and uh, and birthdays, they really go out of their way to really pick exactly the right present. And they feel loved when we do that for them. You know, when we don't leave it to Christmas Eve and go, oh, damn, I forgot to get you a present, but we really put some effort into it. Ah, oh, that makes them feel really loved. You really thought about me. You really cared to, to put some effort yeah. into it. Mm. Yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. Do you think before this concept was uh, created by Gary Chapman, you would have known exactly what your love language was with Karen? Or do you think you would have? You yeah. Would have known? Look, I think you know, in a way, probably had a bit of an idea about it, but it was. Uh, but what the love languages Gary Chapman's work did is is it gave us a way of talking about it. You know, it gave Karen a way of saying, "Look, I know you like to give me lots of compliments and things like that, but that really doesn't." do as much for me as you sometimes helping me load the dishwasher or helping you out like yeah. putting up the salad yeah. for dinner. That really makes me feel loved. And and it was uh it made it easier for me to be able to say to Karen that uh that I get that, you know, that words aren't your thing. But sometimes when you uh just notice or appreciate something that I do and put words to that, it really makes me feel seen and it makes me feel, you know, cared about and, and loved and supported. Right. Yeah, no, fair enough too. Derek, perhaps you could explain how family members may approach or respond to love languages and they would approach it in different ways too, I imagine. Yeah, exactly. This is not just for uh, for couples. This is actually for the whole family. And Gary Chapman has expanded his work to uh, love languages for children and love languages for 
uh, teenagers and, uh, and in other contexts. And I mean, it's always the same five love languages. Most people have one of these five love languages and there's some really good research now by uh, Scott Stanley and, uh, and Howard Markman really c- confirming this idea about these five love languages of, of words of affirmation and physical touch, quality time, acts of service and gifts. But, you know, when you actually look at your own family, everyone has their own unique love language. And uh, so, for instance, one of our sons, our eldest, you know, his love language is, uh, is definitely words of affirmation like me, you know. But, yes. uh, but it's not just any words for him. I guess it's important to keep in mind that each of these love languages has their own unique sort of dialects. And so for Elijah, our eldest, it's not just compliments. In fact, he actually gets a bit shy around compliments. But words of appreciation for something that he's done, that really means a lot to him, you know, when something is okay. acknowledged. Um, you know, our second uh, eldest desire, you know, his love language is quality time, you know, just actually spending time with him, uh, you know, if he's doing something and sitting down and sort of saying, how can I help? And, uh, and just the two of us working on a little project together, that really creates connection for him. Um, yes. You know, whereas, uh, whereas Nathaniel, one of our younger uh, sons, his love language is no doubt about it, is physical touch. He loves to be tickled and hugged and cuddled. There is no amount yeah. of tickles that will ever be enough for him. No. And, uh, <laughs> it just makes him feel connected and loved and supported and, uh, and he's always yeah. the one who will be the first to climb up on your lap. And so really actually working out our individual family members' love languages and working out how to, how to love them in their language is, really, yeah. uh, is a really great way to help strengthen family relationships. Yeah, I'm sure. So how does an individual let their family know what their love language is? And especially if they're younger, um, they may not totally understand what they're expressing. Or do you just see it as a parent, what the child needs? Is it a bit of a two-way thing? Yeah, I think for us, we found that it sort of emerges in our children over time. I kind of think we sort of thought just because our love languages are words of affirmation and and uh, acts of service that we kind of assume that, oh, that, that's probably what they will have. And and yet we've been kind of surprised at uh, at how each of them is completely unique in the way that they've uh, experienced love. They're their own little person. And so it is something that uh, emerges with time. I think, you know, I guess in terms of helping them to know how to best love us uh, or how to help them to know how to allow us to love them, I guess there are a few tips. One is, one is just to tell them straight out. You know, in my yeah. family growing up, I did not grow up in a very affectionate family. So my family aren't all that great at hugs and cuddles and kisses and things like that. And uh, whereas Karen grew up in a family where there was lots and lots of hugs and cuddles and kisses and tickles. And so she brings a sort of a, an innate knowledge about how to do um, physical affection to our relationship. Yeah. Um, an example would be, I remember years ago, I was just sitting on the chair um, reading a book one day and the kids were on the floor playing with their Lego. And, uh, and Karen just sort of said to me, why don't, why don't you just sit on the floor? You know, and as soon as I slid off the, the couch onto the floor, you know, I was still reading my book, but immediately the kids would lean on dad and, you know, my legs become a runway for their aeroplanes. And, you know, she yeah. just has an innate knowledge about how to create a, uh, you know, a more physically affectionate space. And one right. thing I said to my teenagers, um, just as they were sort of entering into the teenage years and sometimes parents aren't that cool, but I said to them at that stage, I just said to them one day, I said, you know, listen, you boys, um, you know, I didn't grow up in a family that was, uh, that was particularly great when it came to physical touch and physical affection. And so sometimes, you know, you guys might need a hug um, and, uh, and I might not really know that, you know, like I might not think to just to reach out and to give you a hug. But, uh, mm. but that doesn't mean that I don't want to care about you and that I don't love you. It just means that I don't think of it. So you're always welcome to ask for one. You know, you're always welcome. If you ever need a hug, just come and take one because I, I long to, <laughs> to give it to you, but I just don't think of it immediately. 
Yes. And, uh, and so, uh, and I'm so glad that I had that conversation on one level because, you know, we just have the, I have a great relationship with my boys, you know, and even my 18 year old and my 16 year old will just come up and give that a tickle or try and lift him up in the kitchen or, you know, all of those sorts yeah. of things. And, I, and, I'm, yeah. and I'm so glad I had that conversation that they feel that that's okay to have that relationship with dad. Mm. Um, but, uh, but sometimes we just need to tell them and let them know. Um, I guess when, when we experience being loved in our love language, uh, it's important to let, let them know how much that meant to us. You know, when, uh, you know, if your love language is acts of service and they do something for you around the house, make sure you let them know, you know, that that really meant a lot to me. Or if yeah. your love language is physical touch and, and someone reaches out and gives you a hug, make sure you let them know so that they can uh, just say, you know, that really meant a lot to me. Thanks. That's what, exactly what I needed. Because that will help to encourage them to, to know how best to love you in the future. Um, mm. And sure. uh, and I guess you know just guiding them to know how best to love you when they're open to it. You know when uh, when you do sometimes in families get those moments where you can just say you know uh, it really means a lot to me when you do this. You know and helping them to to know what my love language is and, and the way that I need to be loved. Uh, looking for those opportunities uh, is really important. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I, I I love hugging my son. I mean, he's twenty seven, twenty eight now, but I never hugged my father because he wasn't a hugger. There was a lot of love there, but he was a very old school, so it was a firm handshake. But there was certainly a yeah. lot of love in the family growing up. But with my son and daughter, I mean, yeah, hugs, you can't get enough of them, really. Yeah, absolutely. And I can imagine for you, David, like, you know, developing that way of being with your son. You know, for you, that's new territory, right? You never grew up with that. You know, it's, uh, it's oh. learning how to be in your relationship with your son in a way that you never had role model. Um, but good on you for doing that. I think that, what a gift to, to your son. Yeah, well, I mean, he, he deserves a lot of credit too because he's, he's sort of a look at like a new age boy. But I think a lot of the younger people are these days, which is really good. I love mm-hmm. their honesty and the fact they, they have these conversations, sort of a conversation I wouldn't have had with my father. I wish we had, but uh, it was a different yeah. era. But um, yes. these days, it's great. I love it. Oh, I agree. I think it's it's fantastic, and it's it's uh, you know gives me actually a lot of hope for uh, you know even though we see a lot of family breakdown in our community and our society. Uh, it gives me hope that you know what actually we're we're working out how to do things better, you know. And uh, sometimes it takes a little bit of time for that to to emerge. Well, I think there's no doubt that we do that we are doing some things much better these days, which is good. I agree with you there. Mm. So talking about love languages and communication, um, is it all about communication as we've discussed in previous sessions? Yeah, I think the answer is yes and no to that to that uh, that question, David. I think we've talked a lot about communication certainly in in past sessions and. In terms of speaking to one another and actually having a, a talking conversation about the things that need to be resolved, um, I guess what love languages in my mind um, brings is a greater awareness of the fact that in families, we communicate with more than just words. Uh, you know, words is just one way that we communicate, but there are many ways in which we communicate. Um, you know, we communicate with a, with a loving touch or a hug. Um, we also communicate when we reach out and we we help someone, you know, even when it's uninvited or unasked and we just sort of say, look, how can I help? Or, you know, let me iron that for you. Um, that's a way yeah. that we communicate in our families, that when we, um, you know, bring home a, a little surprise or a gift for someone, it, it communicates to them, even when you're not here, I think about you, I care about you, I love you. Um, you know, when we make quality time for someone, it says, you know what, actually you're worth spending time with. You're important to me. I think, you know, love languages really highlights that there are actually lots and lots of ways that in families that we communicate beyond just words. Right. Yeah, no, true. So, so is love language is an ideal way to better connect with your partner and your family, irrespective of how long you've actually been together? 
Uh, yeah, look, I, I do think that. And uh, yeah. I, I guess I, I always have a, a thought that, you know, that it's never too late to give a sincere apology. And, uh, and, sincere, and, and similarly to that, I think it's never too late to discover new ways of loving someone better. Um, you know, it, uh, when we learn people's love languages and we start to do that, it communicates a powerful, sincere desire to see the relationship grow, to see the relationship develop. And it's a way of doing so that really speaks powerfully and directly to that person's way of experiencing love. Um, yep. You know, I guess a healthy marriage and a healthy family life is more than about just maintaining what's happening now, right? We want to constantly grow and deepen that. And so anytime we put the effort into really sort of be curious about how does this person need me to love them best so that they can feel connected and supported by me, that's always a worthwhile investment. And I think particularly for um, couples maybe where it's been a while since they've really felt that they've connected, uh, you know, exploring love languages is a really great way to start to rekindle love in a, in a very practical way in their relationship too and in their family life. Sure. Okay. Um, Derek, any other tips on how couples can get the best out of love languages? Yeah, look, I do have a few little tips because I think, you know, it's uh, if it's not your love language, you know, if one of your family members has a love language and it's different to yours, uh, it can be really hard to kind of get it right to know exactly what's the nuanced way that that person needs to be loved by me in order to feel loved. So let me give you a few little tips around that. So uh, I guess if your uh, if your family members love languages is words of affirmation, then what you really need to keep in mind is that words mean more to this person than it does to other people. So let's say, for instance, they, um, they cook dinner for you this evening. Like a normal thing to say would be, oh, I really appreciate you cooking dinner this evening or thanks for cooking dinner. But you could also say, oh, wow, this meal tastes amazing. Oh, this is really great. Oh, really, it means a lot to me that you went to the trouble of, of cooking dinner tonight. You know, it's just a bit warmer. It's just a bit more fulfilling and sweeter for that other person. And love language, love, you know, words means a lot for that person. That's their love language. Um, or maybe you taste dinner and you kind of think, gee, this is bad. Like, no, I don't like this at all, right? <laughs> In which case, yeah. what you yeah. say is, I really appreciate you cooking dinner tonight and, uh, and that I didn't have to, right? And I guess my point is that, you know, because they're more sensitive to words, if we're not being sincere, if we're not being honest, they will know in a heartbeat. You know, they'll sure. pick it up straight away. But we can almost always say something which is honest and sincere, um, you know, that is, that, uh, that is affirming of the other person. Yes. But if you can cover three areas in a day, you're doing pretty well. If you can affirm a physical characteristic, so something you love about the beautiful person that they are, if you can affirm a personal characteristic, so something you love about the kind of person that they are, and if you can affirm a, an action, something that they've done during the day that you really appreciated, you're doing pretty well with words of affirmation. Uh, okay. And, you know, particularly with children, you know, if you cover those three bases, um, they'll grow up with a really healthy body image, a really great sense of self-worth and self-esteem, and they'll be people who are willing to take on the world and try new experiences and discover who they are. Um, with physical touch, I guess the key is similar to words of affirmation. It's about remembering that physical touch means more to these people than it does to other people. And yeah. so, um, so uh, you know, sometimes the smallest touches that we don't even really think of mean a lot to them. Yep. Um, so with physical touch, I guess the thing to keep in mind is that, um, you know, physical touch means more to these people than it does to other people as well, just in the, in the same way that words of affirmation mean more to those people who have that as their love language. And so sometimes even just the smallest touches actually are very warm and connecting for them. 
you know, something as simple as just a, a hand on the shoulder as you pass by. Um, you know, sometimes if I see my, my son's sitting at the table doing their homework, I'll just sort of come up and put my hands on their shoulders. Um, you know, those who have physical touch as their love language. And it just, uh, for them, that's warmth and that's connection and says you're here and you care about me and you're interested in my life. And so yeah. it's important to keep in mind that, you know, sometimes even just the smallest touches that you don't really kind of think of actually mean a lot to them. Sure, um, sure. With quality time, I guess the, the emphasis there is on quality time. Right? So the emphasis yeah. is not just yeah. time. No. And, uh, and it's, so it's just time doing things that are meaningful. It's, uh, it might be going out for a coffee. It might be just going for a walk down the road. Uh, it could be just having a cup of tea and talking about what happened over the course of the day. Um, but it's really important that it's, it's not just time solving life problems. It's actually time us doing things that, you know, that bring us happiness and fulfillment. And um, it's a very powerful message of love when we take the, the effort to organize the time, you know, in a way that says, I, I want to be with you. I had an experience one year with a couple and, uh, and he realized that his wife's love language was quality time. And so come Friday night, the, the football was on and at the same time, it wasn't his teams playing. And so he thought, oh, you know, we could watch the footy or maybe we could go out for a coffee. And he thought, my wife's love language is, is quality time. So, uh, so I, might, I might see if you know, she'd like to go out for a coffee. So, but the way he phrased it was like this. He said, what do you want to do this evening? Now, the way she heard that was, you know, well, hmm, I could watch the football tonight or I could go out with you for a coffee. Oh, gee, that's a tough choice. Like, you know, what do I really <laughs> want here? <laughs> it's not a very powerful message of love. No, but no. What is a powerful message of love is to say, you know what? I'd like to go out for a coffee with you this evening. That says, I want to be with you. Yeah. Now she might turn around and say, oh, let's stay home and watch, you know, the football. Great. Stay yeah. home and watch the footy, right? But the the important thing is you take the effort to initiate the time and to, to organize something, um, you know, that might get negotiated later, but it says, I want to be with you, you know, is the powerful yeah. thing there. Yeah. With active service, I guess my hard-earned wisdom around active service is that I guess the first thing is whatever you start you must finish. So uh, it's no good putting a load of the washing in the in the washing machine and then three days later go, well, I put a load of washing on and it's now sort of moldy and starting to smell in the washing machine. It's got to come out and go on the yeah. clothesline or in the in the dryer. It can't just be sort of left there. And uh, and often doing something with the other person is really powerful, you know, to just sort of say, look, um, you know, uh, can I help with uh, putting the rice on or peeling the potatoes or you know, going out into the garden, you know, if they're gardening and saying, here, yeah, I'll pull out some weeds for you. And, and, and the two of us working together as a team on something would be really powerful for those people. Yeah, and yeah. And then I guess with, uh, with gifts, you know, the key there really is, uh, is it's not about money. It is all about the thought. It says, even when you're not here, I think about you, I care about you, I love you. Um, you know, gifts is kind of important to Karen. And so, as I said before, and so sometimes if I have a bit of a quiet um, morning, at work sometimes I will uh, just get a bit of paper out and I'll write her a love letter and, uh, and I'll pop it in the mail on the way home from work that evening and uh, knowing that sometime the next day or the day after she'll just get this letter from me that just sort of says I'm thinking about you and I'm thinking about your day and your week and, and, mm. uh, and that uh, I missed you. So it can be, uh, you know, daggy poetry that you leave in their lunchbox. It can be an SMS, you know, during the, the day that says I miss you. It, uh, it can be flowers that you stole out of the next door neighbor's garden. In fact, that would probably... <laughs> prefer the flowers you stole out of the next door neighbor's garden because you went to some trouble of getting in trouble because you love me. Not that I'm advocating for stealing from people's gardens, but it's about the thought. It's saying, you know, even when you're not here, I care about you. I think about you and I plan. Yeah. I guess something that's 
really important um, for everyone to sort of ask their families when they want to explore this is that, as I said before, you know, with, uh, with my son, each of these love languages is kind of nuanced. It has its own sort of dialects as well. And so I always encourage people to, when you realize that maybe a family member has physical touch as their love language or words of affirmation or acts of service, those sorts of things, ask them this question. Say to them, what is it about physical touch that makes you feel loved? You know, what is it about words of affirmation that makes you feel loved or quality time or gifts or acts of service? Because, you know, you don't want to waste your time trying to do a whole lot of things that don't work. You want to get to the guts of the stuff that really makes the biggest difference to them as fast as possible, you know, and, uh, um, and so sometimes, you know, if you're able to say, look, what, what is it about, you know, physical touch that makes you feel loved? You know, they're able to say to you, well, you know, when you work, walk in the door, when you come home from work and you give me a big hug, that's, that's when I feel the most loved. Great. Do more of that, right? <laughs> Rather than yeah. sort of wasting your time doing uh, the things that maybe aren't exactly the right. thing. So I really encourage people just ask that question. What is it about words of affirmation that makes you feel loved? What is it about, you know, gifts that makes you feel loved? So you can get it right. Yeah, no, fantastic. So, Derek, uh, in summary, some of the key points from this session are? Yeah, so I guess uh, the key point is that, you know, the, the things that make me feel loved aren't necessarily the things that make other people feel loved in my family. And so uh, um, it's really important to get to know what it is that makes them feel loved so that we can do that and, uh, and love them in the way that they need to be loved. And the love languages gives a great framework for thinking about those things. It highlights, you know, five main areas where people encounter and experience being loved. And if we can work out how to do that better for other people in our families, it's only going to support our relationships, help us to feel more connected and seen and understood. And, uh, and it's a great way to, to, you know, strengthen family life. Oh, fantastic. I've learned a lot from this session, love languages. I've found it absolutely fascinating. Thank you for that, Derek. Uh, our next session is on faith and spirituality. What can uh, people expect from that? Yeah, I think this is a, it's a, such an interesting area, faith and spirituality. And I, and I think often many families don't really talk a lot about it. And yet, you know, on an individual level, often it's a really big part of who we are. Uh, we're just not sure exactly quite how to have that conversation uh, or how to explore it and how to experience it in our family relationships. And yet when families are able to do that, it really brings a sense of connection and, and deeper meaning to life's journey. So uh, I'm kind of excited to explore that area. It's an area of passion for Karen and I that we've been looking at, uh, particularly over recent years in our own marriage and family life. And, uh, and it's certainly something that we'd encourage every family to explore. Oh, that's terrific. Derek, thank you very much. You're very welcome. Thank you. Thank you.